praise team. Thank all of you for worshiping this morning. If you brought your Bibles, please turn to the book of Proverbs. We're going to look, first of all, at Proverbs chapter 16. Proverbs chapter 16. We want to read verse 8. Then go, to, go back to like Proverbs chapter 12, and we'll read verse 11. And then we'll go to Isaiah 65. This morning, I want to share a sermon that I've simply entitled, Trust in God Instead of Gambling. Trust in God Instead of Gambling. We've heard a lot about gambling here recently. And so let's see what God's Word has to say about it. Let's have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for an opportunity we've had to worship. And as we open your Word that your Holy Spirit will speak to our hearts. And Father, I pray that you would give me the understanding of your word. I pray, Lord, that you will uh, speak through me this morning, give me clarity of voice. I pray that I might speak in the right spirit. And Lord, that I might be led by your Holy Spirit as I share this morning. And Father, we pray we might take this message to heart. And Father, that as you speak to us, and Lord, as you convict us of any sin in our life, we pray that we would confess that today. And Lord, while we, while, where we might walk a, a worthy life that you've called us to walk. And we make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Proverbs chapter 16, one verse. Better is a little with righteousness than of vast revenues without justice. Better is a little with righteousness than vast revenues without justice. This is the New King James. Uh, found a, the New Living Translation said this, It's better to be poor and godly than rich and dishonest. It's better to be poor and godly rather than rich and dishonest. In verse 8 in the New King James, Better is a little with righteousness than vast revenues without justice. You would turn on back to chapter 12, Proverbs. Chapter 12, we want to look at one verse, verse 11. Proverbs 12, verse 11. He who tills his land. Some translation says, he who works the land. He who tills his land will be satisfied with bread. If you work, you're going to be satisfied with bread. The B part of that verse says, but he who follows virility, a uh, better translation says, He who chases fantasies is devoid of understanding. Or he who chases fantasies lacks judgment. Now, if you will, turn to the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 65 for our main text. Isaiah 65, verse 11 and 12. But you are those who forsake the Lord, who forget my holy mountain, who prepares a table for God, 
and who furnishes a drink offering from Menai. Therefore I will number you for the sword, and you shall all bow down to the slaughter. Because when I called you, you did not answer, and when I spoke, you did not hear, but you did evil before my eyes, and chose that in which I do not delight. Some of you probably are aware that our church has a ethics and religious liberty ministry. Some of you may serve on that ministry. And the purpose of the Christian ethics and religious ministry is to keep us focused on topics that affect our Christian ethics and also our religious liberty. Topics such as the sanctity of human life, the harmful effects of alcohol and other drugs, the harmful effects of pornography, child abuse, bullying, gambling, and other social and immoral issues. But also we'll deal with our religious freedoms, such as voter registration, our freedom to vote, our love for God and country, and then uh, uh, any, patriotic, any patriotic holiday that we might celebrate. And this committee or this ministry will keep those things this coming year uh, in our focus. Simply put, as believers, God expects his people to, to live righteous and also to live godly in this world. God expects his preachers to denounce all forms of immorality and unrighteousness. I really would not be able to call myself a godly preacher if I didn't deal with and denounce immorality and unrighteousness. Think how hypocritical it would be for us as a faith family, as a church, the body of Christ, the redeemed, those who call themselves followers of Jesus Christ, if we didn't... Uh, or if we refuse to stand and, and denounce uh, immorality, things that would affect our family and affect our community and affect our nation. So God expects his people to live righteous. He expects us to live holy lives. Holy lives are not sinless lives, but holy lives are those lives that are separated from the world. That's why he says, Be ye holy as I am holy. That's why he says, Separate yourself. Separate yourself from the world. We're in the world, but we're not to be of the world. And so with all that in mind, this past Thursday morning, October the 18th, I, I went online to kindly read the headline news, and all of a sudden I was, I was greeted with a big, bold announcement that said this, Powerball jackpot rises to $430 million after no one wins on Wednesday night. Now, you might have noticed that same headline. Then even yesterday, we were reminded that the Mega Million was at a new record. It was at 900 million. And today, I was reminded that right now, the Mega Million, or that Mega Jackpot, is $1.6 billion. Now, before you head out to exercise your freedom to act like a fool, let me share something with you. Let me give you the odds of you winning that. First of all, 
The odds or your chance winning the Mega Million is 1 in 258,890,850. Now, if you'd like a better chance of winning, the better chance today of dying in a terrorist attack is 1 in 20 million. So your odds drop 240 million if you're looking for that to happen. And then, however, you have 1 in 200,000 chance of being killed by a falling asteroid and being hit in the head with it. And there's 1 in 280,000 that you could be struck by lightning even on a beautiful, clear day. Then there's 1, this is real good odd, 1 in 325 that you'll be killed by a gun. And then when you go to eat this afternoon after church, there's one in 100 that you'll die in an automobile crash. And then, if you don't like that odd, there's one in seven that you'll die with cancer, and then there's one in five that you're going to die with a heart attack. So gambling is a temptation to everyone, and it's on the rise. Gallup poll, 1974, 61% adults said they gambled. 1989, 71%. 1995, 95% adults said that they gambled. And it's even higher today. 82% plays the lottery. 75% play the slots. 50% play the dogs and the horses. 44% play cards. 34% play the bingo. That's on the rise. 26%. This is really on the rise, sporting events. Gambling expenses each year exceed the amount spent on films and books and entertainment and music all combined. 10% of Americans' income are thrown away at the gambling table. It seems to be the cure for all of our problems. I received a card in the mail this week. You may have received one of those cards. And I'm happy to inform you that all of our problems in our state can be solved if we vote on a lottery. We can balance the budget. We can pave our roads. We can improve public education from PK, pre-K to college. We can have more high-paying jobs. And we can even put security, Brother Terry, in all of our schools. We can do that if we just vote on the lottery. Do people really know what they're voting on? Politicians know what we're voting on. They'll say, we think, instead of us making the decision, that you should vote on the lottery. But there's one catch to that. You don't know what's going on with the lottery. They know what's going on. They study it. I'm ignorant to it. They know that poor communities will be targeted with billboards and flashing TV ads. And they know they'll do that at the end of the month when the welfare checks come in. I didn't know that, but they know it. They know that 50 cents of every dollar goes to the prize. 25% goes to promotions such as 
the office and printing tickets and paying stores to sell tickets. And then 25% goes, 25 to 30, will go, will go to the, the special project designated, such as educated fund. So you tell me that I need to vote on a tax? That only 25 cents of every dollar is going to go to the designated fund? Implied? Really? I didn't know that, did you? But they want you and me to vote on something we don't know all about, but they know all about it. They know that it's, it's a lose-lose situation for the majority of Alabama citizens or any state. They know that money is spent on a ticket, sales are reduced, money received is reduced that normally would go for goods and services provided in our state. They know that Medicare enrollment will really increase, really increase, and they know that credit card indebtedness will go through the roof. Better is a little righteousness than a vast revenue without justice. Look at this just for a moment. It's indescribable. It's such a magnetic pull, like from my core, from my center. It, it, it completely takes over your mind. You don't understand. I'm driven there. I mean, there is a pull on me that I can't explain to you, but that it's stronger than almost anything else in my life. You forget your family. You forget your friends. You forget your life. And it takes you to a zone. Nothing else matters. I had a college education, I had my own business. I had a full-time job working, and also I had two business, two stores. Every week on Friday, I would go cash my check at the bank at 9 a.m., and I was broke by noon. This is another box. Again, this is another one. And this was just the last two years of my gambling. Lottery was part of my life. Playing every day was part of my life. Is this a proper role for states which are in place in large part to protect its citizens? Everywhere you look, state lotteries are moving into more and more forms of predatory gambling practices. So I got it down. I got the patent down. It's just winning it. That's what I gotta get to, you know? It's more powerful than a drug addiction for me. I choose gambling over dope any day. I sold dope to get money to gamble. Let's remember, state lotteries, these are a public policy that is actively encouraging and promoting a highly addictive product to its own people. There's no other public policy that does this. People do not understand how difficult it is to stop. 
Today, you can buy scratch tickets of almost any denomination, up to $50. You become somebody else. Kino games, 1,500 times a week. Playing just to play, just to be in action. Powerball and Mega Millions, four times a week. I had lost close to $400,000. Video lottery terminals, which you could not distinguish from a slot machine. That's what they are, they're slot machines. I was homeless staying at youth hostels. After my suicide attempt, they made me go directly to a psych ward. Once you win, you get really hooked. You know, it's the American way. We're gonna hit the lottery and all our dreams come true. Forget all the fancy headlines and all the promises that's gonna fund education dollars. State lotteries boil down to one truth. This is state government sponsoring and actively encouraging gambling. This is a government program. The whole point of gambling and like Lotto is that the house always wins, right? So if government is the house, who loses? Our own government has a vested interest to turn citizens into losers. It uses the voice of state government to play its own citizens for suckers. Whether you play the lottery or not, you pay even if you don't play. That's another 900 probably, another 900. Uh, another 900, and it keeps going. Another 900. Never. So what does the Bible say about gambling? Isaiah 65, real quick, look at verse 15. Verse 11, but you are those who forsake the Lord, who forgot my holy mountain, who prepares a, a table for Gad. Now the word Gad there in the new King James Version is really translated fortune. Uh, and then those who furnish a drink offering from Menai, Menai really is, a, is translated destiny. Luck, destiny, fortune. Three names for gods. Idols. We don't believe in luck. Luck is the name of a God. You're not lucky. That's the name of a God. We've been blessed. God blesses you. See, God blesses us. We, we, we don't live by luck. We don't live by chance. We, we are governed by a sovereign God. He directs my path. What the Bible teaches. What we believe as Christians. Problem with Israel, they turned away from the sovereign God. And they began to worship these other gods, the God of fortune and the God of destiny. And because of that, God was going to bring judgment on them. And he promised that he would not destroy the faithful there in chapter 65, verse 8. And he said, I'm going to, I'm going to preserve a remnant there, 65, verse 8. But, but those who engage in this false worship, uh, I'm, going to, you know, I'm going to do away with them. Have you, have you ever experienced a, a sudden tragedy? I mean, we have. Judy and I have in our family. And I imagine that majority of us have. Life is just full of the un unexpected. Wouldn't it be nice to control our future so nothing would happen? And, and, you know, our car never would break down. And children never would get sick. And children never would hurt. And we never would lose our job. And we never would contact a dreaded disease. You see, the people in Isaiah's day was trying to do that. They were trying to control their destiny, their future. They were trying to appease the gods of fortune, the gods of destiny. So they'd bring, they would, they would kind of, they, they had it figured where these gods would bring them good luck and bring them 
positive outcomes in their life. And so the point is, many people who, gambling are, who gamble are, are looking to, to luck, the God of luck and the God of chance, to change their future. And they know that they'll probably lose money, but it's, they're kind of hoping to kind of beat the odds on all of that. Most people gamble uh, to win money. Many, uh, many people who, who profess to be Christians would never think that they're like the people that Isaiah's talking about here, those who like to go and buy a ticket occasionally, they say. Well, these are the people that Isaiah's talking about, just like the Israelites who turn to other sources to influence their outcome of this life. Many people who gamble today, they're doing the same thing. The point is, the question is not what we think we're doing when we gamble, but what does God think we're doing when we gamble? That's the issue. So God sees gambling in a much different way than we see gambling. I'm going to point that out real quick. First of all, when we gamble to change the outcome of our lives, jot this down, we turn from God. We turn from God. Isaiah says the people who had turned to these false gods had forsaken the Lord. They've forsaken the Lord. And he uses the covenant name Lord there. He had made a covenant with his people Israel. They had turned from him and they began to worship these false gods, the God of luck, the God of chance, the God of destiny, the God of fortune. They began to worship these gods. And so Yahweh, the covenant name for God, so God had entered into this covenant relationship. I won't take time to read it, but it's Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 15 through 20, and you can read it at another time. He was in this covenant relationship, and Isaiah said these people had forgotten God's holy mountain, meaning they neglected their duties to God. They had forgotten they were to worship Him and worship Him only. They had kind of expanded their horizon to include other gods. God wasn't the God. He was just one of many gods. The God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob was just a God among gods. And apparently they were not able to trust God, Jehovah God, with their future. And so their future obviously belonged to the other gods, fortune and destiny. That's who they thought controlled their future. So the point is, when we look to, the, to gambling to change the outcome of our lives, we're looking to something besides God for our future. We've turned from God and we've turned to something else. We're looking to a blind chance. We're looking to a lucky number. We're looking to, a, to the twist of fate to give us something that we feel that God has inadequately provided for us. He didn't give us what we needed, and we're going elsewhere. So when you gamble to change the outcome of your life, you turn from God. Secondly, jot this down. Not only do you turn from God, but you turn to false gods. People turn from God to the pagan gods of fortune and destiny. Some Bible translates, and I mentioned Gad and Menai. Fortune, Gad, Menai, destiny. They believed that these gods uh, could kind of affect their future and they could be persuaded to bring good luck. Well, people still do this today. People who gamble, they engage in kind of similar activities where they try to persuade fortune and destiny to act on their behalf. 
they develop all kinds of strange habits to kind of influence the outcome. Some people have lucky machines. They'll sit by a machine all day, all afternoon, through the night, till they lose every dime they have. But that's a lucky machine. Some have special rituals they go through. They insert coins in different ways because they feel like they can influence destiny and fortune. Some have special numbers. They have their anniversary date. They have their birth dates, the birth dates of the children, the death dates of their parents, all trying to influence destiny and fortune to change the outcome of their life. Some rub someone's head. You know, they'll reach over and rub a partner's head thinking that's going to change destiny and fortune's outlook on their life. So whatever it is, the object is the same, the same as the Israelites, and they're looking somewhere else for good fortune. They turn to, to the gods of destiny and fortune. The point is, if they didn't believe, if they really didn't believe this type of behavior could influence the outcome, they wouldn't do what they were doing. They really believe it. So deep down, they believe that that in, in, there's some force that they can influence by the way they behave. Imagine that. So first, when we gamble, we turn from God. We turn to false gods. And second, we give the other what belongs to God. This is what happened in this case. Isaiah, he identifies three things these people give to the false gods that should have belonged to God. First of all, jot this down. They gave their reverence to the false god. They set a table, the Bible says, they set a table for them, filled with mixed wine. They set a table, they showed reverence to the false gods. They were kind of making an offering to them rather than Jehovah God. And secondly, they had given their resources, their resources. God had given them resources to live on, and the people turned around and took their resources and gave it to the false gods. Sound familiar? Third, they'd given them their trust. The offerings indicated the people were looking for the looking to those false gods for the future instead of the one true God. So those who gamble do the same. They exalt gambling over God. They look to chance, they look to fortune to provide for them. They bet their resources given to them by God Jehovah to take a chance on a better outcome than they believed that God could have given them or that God had gave them. That's what they do. They trust in luck to improve their life rather than trusting in God. I don't know about you this morning, but it really upsets me to know the advantage that our government takes over people, over its citizens in regards to to falsify a false belief that you can get rich real quick and people lose everything they have. Many of them do. Those who trust in luck and fortune, when they gamble, they find themselves kindly, you know, faced with the truth, but it's too late. Very few people, you're well aware, profit from gambling. Most of them lose. And one person's gain is funded by the losses of many, 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 many people. Many people. So remember the word of God. When we gamble to change the outcome of our lives, we turn from God, we turn to false gods, 
and we give to false gods what belongs to God. That's reverence, that's our resources, and that's our trust. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for an opportunity we've had just to focus uh, upon gambling, the effects of gambling, the power in gambling, the power behind it. And so, Father, I pray for each one today that we'll take what we've heard, what we've learned in your word today as we looked at the book of Isaiah, and we could see how God's people acted in uh, Isaiah 65 and see the promise of God and how he would bring judgment upon those who had turned from him. My goodness, the things, Father, that they had turned to virtually consumed them. And that's what happens today. When we leave you, whatever we turn to eventually consumes us, whether it's gambling, whether it's alcohol, whatever vice it might be. And so help us to learn from this today, Father, and not just keep it to ourselves, but share it with friends and family, Lord, who have uh, this addiction called gambling. Help us, we pray, to know what we're voting on when we are called on to vote. We thank you for this country we live in, the freedoms that we have. Father, we thank you for your word that directs us, gives us wisdom. And we pray, Father, that we would be willing to live holy and righteous lives. Thank you, Lord, for what you give to us and our resources. Help us to be good stewards of what we have. And so, Father, we pray that, Lord, we know that whatever we have was given to us. It was loaned to us, really, as a steward. Help us to be good stewards of it. Help us not to take your resource and spend it in a gambling hall or or at the front of a slot machine. It all belongs to you, Lord. It all does. And so help us to be careful. Thank you for each person here today. Speak to our hearts. And those who are here today in the sound of my voice, those who will be listening tomorrow, next week, Father, we know that you can set people free from addictions, and we just lift people up to you. And we pray, Lord, today they would cry out, Lord, to tr for the freedom that they need by trusting you as Lord and Savior of their life. Please work in the hearts and lives of people today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Terry's going to lead us in, I have decided to follow.